0: Hello everyone, welcome to the Memorial Heights Baptist Church podcast. We are so glad you're joining us midweek. Today's message is on Psalm 19, and it was given by Pastor DJ Ritchie during our Sunday evening service on April 4th, 2021. We want to encourage you to join us in person at one or all of our services. Our doors are open Sunday mornings at 10.30am, Sunday nights at 7pm. And Wednesday nights at six forty five p m if you have not yet subscribed, please do and when you do, you'll receive a notification each time we post a new message and will always be up to date. We hope this message would be an encouragement to you as you follow Jesus. so grab your Bible, open your ears, and let's get to it
1: let's go to the Lord in prayer, Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ shed. For the remission of our sins, Father, we thank you for the victory of the cross, the victory of the empty tomb, God, and as we, uh, Father, around the world today as your body uh, celebrate in a special way uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God, may we be reminded anew of the price that your son Jesus paid for us, the price that you paid in sending your son, Father, the victory that has been achieved through him offered to us. Uh, Father, we love you and thank you. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, turn with me to Psalm 19. Psalm 19. Communication is hard. Can we agree on that? It's hard for the communicator. It's hard for the listener. I've shared this with you before, but It's been said that one of the great challenges of communication is the assumption that it has already taken place. So hard as a communicator to know when exactly we've gotten our message across. And so many times uh, there is a gap in the communication. There is a lack of communication often because there is an assumption of a communication Uh, Sometimes the problem is with the communicator. That's not the problem that God has. That's a problem that we have, but God, the creator of language, is the creator of communication. He's the perfect communicator. In fact, Jesus is called the Word of God. And so God is the ultimate communicator. Oftentimes it's not the fault of the communicator, it's the fault of the listener, I read this today, I, I didn't uh, vet this, so I don't know if this is true, but I, I read today that you think, on average, four times faster than you speak, or than the average person speaks. Now, I know some people talk very fast, and so it's maybe a little harder to hear them than you would a normal person, but uh, I've, I've been guilty of that. I can be a fast talker at time to time, from time to time, but we think about four times faster than we talk. And it's one of the reasons that it can be really hard, especially when there are distractions, when there are things going on in our head, to really zero in and listen on the person that is speaking to us, whether that's the, the preacher, the speaker, whether that's a spouse, a parent, a child, a teacher, a student. It can be very hard for us to zero in and really focus in on what the communicator is saying. Well, we're going to talk tonight from Psalm 19 about hearing and responding to to the witnesses of God because I'm here to tell you that God is speaking he's speaking constantly we're going to see three ways that he's speaking constantly to us tonight and yet are we listening because the problem with the communication from God to man is not God the problem is us we're going to look at Psalm 19 tonight a psalm that C.S. Lewis said Uh, I'm going to quote him here. I take this to be the greatest poem in the Psalms and one of the greatest lyrics in the world, a beautiful poem about the three great witnesses of God. Let's read this song together tonight, and then we'll begin to uh, dissect it, unpack it together. David writes in verse one, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork day unto day at earth's speech. Night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven, and his circuit unto the ends of it. There is nothing hid from the heat thereof. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them, There is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. My strength and my Redeemer. In this song, David sings of three great witnesses from God. Witnesses that are constantly speaking, available to be heard if we're listening. Number one, the witness of creation. God's displayed works. These are the works that God has made. The sun, moon, and stars. The beauty of His creation revealed by the light of the sun. Inspiring our hearts the witness of creation, also the witness of Scripture, of revelation, God's declared word instructing our hearts, and the witness of also conscience or conviction, God's distressing will, (laughs) convicting our hearts. God is speaking to us through creation. God is speaking to us authoritatively through His word. And God is speaking to us even individually, even to those who do not have the Scriptures. He's speaking through the conviction of sin. We saw last summer from the Gospel of John that Jesus Christ, on the night, He was betrayed on the night when He was going to be uh, delivered unto Pontius Pilate. He was meeting with His disciples. He told them, let not your heart be troubled. I'm going, but I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And I'm going to send the Comforter to you. And Jesus told them that the mission of the Holy Spirit, as it related to the world, was going to be threefold, that he would convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And so we know that God is speaking through his creation, through his word, and yes, even the conviction of the Holy Spirit in the conscience of man now. I want to ask you a question before we begin to look at these verses together. If these witnesses are constantly speaking, why are so few of us listening? Why are so few people listening? If God is constantly speaking to us of his power, of his glory, if he's constantly speaking to us of his character, of his son, Jesus Christ, the way, the truth and the life. If he's constantly speaking to the world through the word of God, how man can be forgiven of their sins through the death and resurrection of Jesus Messiah. The payment for sin has been paid and we just need to receive it by uh, by his grace. We receive through faith, not of ourselves, the gift of God, not of works. And God is convicting people in their hearts. Why are so few of us listening? Well, there are two reasons that I want to highlight. There are are more than two, but two that I want to highlight tonight. Number one, the external enemy of satanic deception. The external enemy of satanic deception. One of the first things that Satan did after uh, man's sin and man was kicked out of the garden, we see this uh, especially true after the flood. We see the Growth of the worship beginning at the Tower of Babel and extending throughout all cultures since that day. The proliferation of false gods. The worship of creation. Attributing the glory of the sun, moon, and stars created by God to reveal His greater glory. Attributing them to the worship of false deities and false gods. The Scriptures warn about this. Repeatedly Deuteronomy talks about this. Second kings. Uh, we see this carried on in the testimony of Stephen, the first martyr of the church in Acts chapter seven. God turned and gave them up to worship the host of heaven, Stephen said, as it is written in the book of the prophets, "O so ye house of Israel, have ye offered to me slain beasts and sacrifices by the space of forty years in the wilderness? Yea, ye took up the tabernacle of Moloch, the star of your God. Remphan figures which he made to worship them and I will carry you away beyond Babylon we're told uh, by the Apostle Paul in his testimony given in legal proceedings given at least to uh, government officials in in uh, Acts chapter 26 Paul talking about the Damascus Road experience where where Jesus Christ appeared to him and knocked him on his keister and blinded him with the glory of God and gave him a mission and paul talks about that mission in acts 26 that god told him that he was going to be sent to the gentiles quote to open their eyes to turn them from darkness to light from the power of satan unto god that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me they can be forgiven of their sins they can be forgiven of their sins by placing their faith in me, God told Paul. You're going to have this mission, but understand it's going to be a mission of spiritual warfare because you're going to be delivering a mission of, of deliverance from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, from the power of Satan to the power of God. Paul told the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 4.4 4, that the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine upon them. So one reason that people don't see the glory of God in creation, one reason that they don't uh, see the, the witness of God in the Scriptures, the authoritative, pure Word of God, one reason that the conscience, while it convicts, does not convince is because of the deception of the devil. But there's also not only the external enemy of satanic deception, there is, of course, also the internal enemy of sinful desires. We're all born sinners. We all like to sin. Jesus said in John chapter 3, this is the condemnation or this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Jesus said the reason people reject me is because they would rather be sinners. They would rather live with their sin. They'd they'd rather live in darkness because they love their sin. This is what uh, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 1. When he speaks about the collision of creation and conscience. Paul says in Romans chapter one, verse 18, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. They have truth. God has given it to them, but they hold it in unrighteousness because that which may be known of God, that which may be known. Which God has enabled man, even those who are not saved, has enabled them to know that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful but became vain in their imagination and their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise. They became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and to four footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Paul says, listen, God has revealed it to man. Man is without excuse. But because of man's sinful nature, he's bought into the satanic lie and he's allowed himself to believe that the creation should be worshipped above the Creator who is to be ever praised. So we have this conflict That we have to deal with, we have to admit. We have to understand that there's an enemy. There's an enemy who's distracting me. There's an enemy who's trying to deceive me. And I also have the internal enemy of my own sin nature. Now with that in mind, how do we hear and respond to the witnesses of God? Listen to what David says again about these three witnesses. Number one, I want to ask you three questions tonight. Here's the first one. Do you hear the heavens speaking? Do you hear... The heavens speaking. When you see a beautiful... We had a beautiful day today, did we not? Illuminated by the sun, the brilliant light of the sun. Just such a beautiful day of God's creation. What a beautiful day to worship the great day of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But do we stop in midst of the awe of the beauty and Remember the creator of that beauty. Do you hear the heavens speaking? If you do, David says, give glory and praise to your creator. Give glory and praise. The heavens declare the glory of God. How tragic that the more people study creation, by and large, the more they harden their heart against the Creator. Now that's not true of every student of science. That's not true of every scientist, certainly. But it is the majority of those who devote their lives to the study of God's creation. Even in the midst of the miraculous (laughs) complexity and design of a single cell, man denies Designer, it's it's shocking, but it's also predictable, because we have sinful hearts, and we have a master enemy, a master deceiver, the father of lies to contend with. And so, I would just challenge you tonight. Whenever you get the opportunity, whether it's a beautiful night, a beautiful day, hey, even the power of the rain, even if it's a cloudy day, I, I'm I'm I can be a little melancholy sometimes. I like a rainy day. Uh, I, I don't mind a rainy day, but uh, there's beauty even in that, in the in the in the clouds, in the midst, in the mist, in the mist of the mist. Uh, there's beauty. But do I take the time to praise God and to give him glory for his creation? I would challenge you to do that. Do you hear the heavens speaking? If you do give glory and praise to your creator. But I really want to focus tonight on the second thing that David says in verses 7-11. through What he says about the Scriptures. In a few weeks, Lord willing, we're going to start a study on prophecy on Sunday nights. We're going to talk about how the Bible interprets its own prophecies. Because remember, the Bible is one book, but it's also 66 books. It has one author, the Holy Spirit, and yet it also has roughly 40 human authors, 40 men uh, roughly through whom the Holy Spirit uh, moved as Peter says, 2 Peter chapter 1, holy men of God wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And so these uh, prophets and apostles that God used to pen, they interpret each other by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so the way we learn how to interpret prophecy should be the way that God has illustrated it for us in the word of God. And so tonight I want to use this sort of a prelude to that study that we're going to do as we look at the witness of Scripture. And so I I need to ask myself this question. Do I hear the Scripture speaking? I'm holding it. I'm reading it. Am I hearing it? Am I listening? If I am, David says, I need to submit to its transforming work. John 17, 17, when Jesus was in the garden about to be betrayed, he's in the garden praying for you. Praying for me. And he's praying to the Father and he says, Father, sanctify them. Set them apart. Change them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. Amen. Jesus said God changed them through the power of the word of God through the Scriptures. So am I listening? Am I asking God to use I mean, it's Jesus' prayer. Is it my prayer that God would use the word of God to change me, to change my heart, to change my desires? But I have to re- realize that Again, I have an enemy. I have to beware. Satan is going to cause me to question God's word. He's going to try to steal God's word. And he'll succeed if we let him. He does that through distractions. He does that through uh, busyness, through our priorities. We see in the parable of the sower in Matthew uh, 13, 19 that when anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. We want to make sure, even as Christians, that we don't allow Satan to distract us. We read something, we don't understand it, and so we just get frustrated, and rather than really trying to to wrestle with it, really trying to dig into it, really trying to, to understand it, searching the Scriptures like the Bereans did. Pa- the Apostle Paul came to them and presented things that they hadn't heard, and so they dived into their Scriptures, which was the Old Covenant, the old te- what we call the Old Testament now, the, all the Scriptures they had, and they searched those Scriptures to make sure that what Paul was saying was consistent with those Scriptures because they understood the danger of false teachers Satan's going to cause you to question God's word. He's going to twist it. He's going to cause you to deny it. Again, he is, John 8, the father of lies. It's his native language. And those of us who allow his influence in our life, we, we can imitate that character of Satan as well. So beware that. And remember, again, the enemy of the, of the internal Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, because I not only have an external enemy, I have my own sin nature that I still have to contend with. I have, as Paul told Timothy, itching ears. And I am much more likely to listen when somebody's giving my opinion. And when I hear my opinion, my belief, my position coming out of their mouth, I'm much more likely to tune in and to listen and to focus than if I'm hearing something contrary to that, something challenging To that, My sin nature causes me to be attracted only to the things that make me feel good and to avoid the hard truths, the challenging truths, the convicting truths. Again, the heart is deceitful. Above all things, it's desperately wicked. You can't, Jeremiah, God says through the prophet Jeremiah, you can't even trust your own heart. It's why we have to rely on the Holy Spirit and the Word of God and the Holy Spirit to speak His truth, whether we want to hear it. Or not, as Paul said to the Galatians in Galatians chapter four, verse 16, have I become your enemy because I speak the truth? Let us make sure that we're not enemies of the truth, enemies of those who speak the truth, even when it's something that we don't want to hear. And so I need to beware that I'm hearing God's word and I'm actually listening for God's truth. And then I need to believe it when I hear it. I need to not only beware, but believe. Now, let's go quickly through this list again. What God's word is. God's word, David says, is perfect. It's perfect. That means it's without flaw or mistake. And that's because it's God's truth. We, we uh, preach verbal plenary inspiration that the original manuscripts were without error. And we can look at the manuscripts. We'll talk about manuscripts at some other time. But we can look at the manuscripts and we can say, hey, we, we know that we have the word of God today. We know that we have the word of God. And it's it pure, it's perfect, without flaw or mistake. Because it's God-breathed. It's God-breathed. I told you before when we studied Ecclesiastes, we walk out on a, cold, on a cold night or a cold morning, we breathe out and we can see our air and, and our breath is there, the vapors hit that moisture and, and it's gone in an instant. But when God breathed, it's eternal truth. On the word of God, on the pages of Scripture. It's perfect. It's without flaw. It's without mistake. It's sure, which means it's trustworthy. It shows me how to make wise choices. It's right in all that it declares. As Hebrews says, it's an anchor for the soul. Boy, do we need an anchor for our souls. And Paul warned uh, against those who are tossed to and fro by every wind and wave of doctrine. And if if we're not grounded in what the Scripture actually says and trusting God, even if it's against what culture says, even if it's against what I feel should be right, those promises of God, Hebrews says, are an anchor to the soul. It's perfect. It's sure. It's right. It's clean. It's pure. Excuse me. It's pure. It's pure. Revealing only the truth about whatever it says. Only what is true about God. Now, of course, it doesn't contain everything true about God because our brains can't contain everything true about God. It doesn't contain all truth, but all it contains is truth. Do you understand the difference there? So there are things that we're going to spend all of eternity learning about God. There there are things that uh, Deuteronomy 29, 29 says that are secret things. The secret things belong to the Lord, our God. But these things have been revealed and they belong to us. And so God has taught us some things that we can know about him, that we should know about him. And everything the Bible says about God is truth. Everything the Bible says about me as a human being is truth. Everything the Bible says about Heaven is truth. Everything it says about hell is truth. All that it declares is pure. There is no mixture of error in there. It's clean. It it shows me how to be purified forever through the fear of the Lord. Again, we talked a lot about this in our study of Ecclesiastes. This is the purpose of life, Solomon concluded in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Verse 14, I know, he said, that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it nor anything taken from it. And God doeth it that men should fear before him. And he says in chapter 12, as he concludes the book, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. Keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. There are no secrets before God. There are no secrets hidden from God. And so everything that I think, everything that I feel is, is going to be uh, judged by God. As a Christian, it's a judgment of reward. First Corinthians 3. It's not a judgment of wrath. Jesus Christ has absorbed my wrath. He's paid my sin debt. There is now therefore no condemnation in Romans 8.1 to those who are in Christ Jesus. But I, as a Christian, need to fear the God, fear the, the God of, of the Bible. and need to fear the Lord of creation. I need to fear Him. The Bible shows me how to be clean, how to be purified forever through the fear of the Lord. And it is true and righteous altogether. It reveals His integrity and in judgment. It reveals His authority over all. And so if I'm bewaring false teaching and I'm believing the truth of God's Scripture, the response in my heart should be to bow. To, to bow to the one who has inspired this truth, who has given us these truths, and to treasure it more than I treasure riches. Whatever, whatever you consider of greatest value in your home, you need to treasure God's Word more than all of it. More than all of it put together. Because God's truth will tell you how you can live forever. Forever. And how you can have eternal rewards for those of you who have already trusted in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, for your salvation. Desire it more than you desire. Whatever, honey may not be on the top of your list, okay? But whatever's the sweetest thing. I, I had a, a birthday this week. Uh, Mom said, what do, you, what do you want for your birthday? I said, Boston cream pie. And we finished it tonight. I love me some Boston cream pie. Not, I'm not going to be having any until my next birthday, but a uh, uh, Boston cream pie. Listen, I need to desire. Whatever is on the top of your sweets list, you need to desire and crave God's word more than that. I need to heed its warnings, pursue its rewards. And if I'll commit to these things, God promises me that it will transform me. By these things, Paul says in 2 Timothy, the man of God will be perfect, perfected, matured, and thoroughly equipped for every good work. Do you hear the Scripture speaking? Are you believing it? Are you bowing and submitting your life in response to what you learn to the God who wrote it and the God who it's about? And then the third thing he says here is, do you hear your conscience speaking? Do you hear your conscience speaking? Are you asking the Lord to convict you? Are you asking the Lord to cleanse you? Do I come to church wanting to be convicted? Do I spend time in God's Word every morning or night or whenever you do it, wanting God's Word to convict me? Because listen, the only way I'm going to change is if there's some internal pressure. The only way that, that, that I'm going to change is if, if there's some pressure to change. If, if I realize that there's something not right. And, and we none of us enjoy pain, but... Pain can be a great gift of God. One of the great tragedies of, of leprosy is the inability to feel pain. And because of that, uh, people do great damage to their bodies. Pain has a place. Now, pain's not, we're not just looking for pain for pain's sake, right? I don't want to just feel convicted to feel miserable. I want to feel convicted, though, so that, sh- so that I can ask God to show me how I can correct what's, what's wrong and how I can fix it and how I can be the man that God called me to be. Now, this isn't perfect. Conscience isn't perfect. The Holy Spirit's perfect, though. Conscience can be seared. It can be weak. It can be defiled. So so I'm not going to give you the Jiminy Cricket, let your conscience be your guide uh, nonsense tonight, okay? But I do want you to respond to the Spirit's conviction. I do want you to be sensitive to how the Holy Spirit's convicting you. A good conscience will not grieve. Or quench the Holy Spirit, but as we looked uh, over a number of weeks in Galatians chapters five and six, we can walk in the Spirit and and be fruitful in the Spirit and and have a harvest if we'll respond to His conviction and His leading. And one of the ways He leads us is through conviction. Do you hear the heavens speaking? Do you hear the Scripture speaking? Do you hear your conscience speaking? Now, there's one more all-important way that God has spoken to us. Hebrews chapter 1 says this. God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son whom He hath appointed heir of all things by whom He also made the worlds who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person and upholding all things by the word of His power when He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Our Creator has come. The Word of God has become the Word made flesh. And He's dwelt among us. And John said in John chapter 1, we beheld His glory. The glory of the only begotten, full of grace and truth. And if our conscience doesn't respond to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's because it's seared. It's because it's hard and it's weak. And we need to make sure that we are remembering our Creator. And so as we close tonight, creation reveals the power and the wisdom of God. Scripture reveals the authoritative truth of God. Conscience reveals our imperfections, our sinfulness, our need for a Savior, our need for the Father's discipline. And Jesus reveals the Father. Not only that, Jesus is the only way to the Father. In His death, in His resurrection, Jesus made the one way for us to be forgiven and saved. By grace through faith in Him. Would you stand as we close tonight? Father, we ask You for a more sensitive heart, God, to hear Your glory in creation to hear your truth and your word. And God, to hear your Holy Spirit in convicting. Father, if there's somebody here tonight or watching online tonight who has, doesn't have the Holy Spirit living inside of them because they've never trusted in Christ for their forgiveness. They, they have never trusted in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. Father, I pray that they would not uh, leave this room or if they're watching would not go uh, to bed tonight until they've reached out to a a believer who can share with them the hope that they can have because of Jesus Christ. Father, may all of us be more sensitive to your word, to your spirit, and to the glory all around us to give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: What another great message from Pastor DJ. I hope this has found you well and has made an impact on your life in the name of Jesus if it has please give us a five-star rating on whatever platform you listen on and share it with a friend so others might be encouraged as well if you have never accepted christ as your savior and would like to know how give one of our pastors a call at 301-724-5876 we would love nothing more than to hear from you we hope to see you soon and until next time stay faithful